0: 14 minutes it is after 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. And uh, we're out on Twitter on at Metro FMSA. Use the hashtag Metro FM Talk. we also out on Facebook as well on Metro FMSA. SA. And uh, joining me now on the line is uh, economist, uh, researcher and uh, writer Eddie Rakabe. And uh, yeah, we try and make sense of some of the developments that we've seen, but also symptomatic as they are. Of, uh, I guess, the proliferation of uh, shopping malls in our townships, and we ask uh, the economic implications of that. Eddie, how are you doing, brother? Uh,
1: good evening, Good evening to the listeners.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. M- maybe, Eddie, um, if we can take a step back and yes. just contextualize this uh, uh, briefly. You know, if I think of many of the uh, townships where one would see shopping malls, I mean, let mm-hmm. me maybe take two examples there in the Eastern Cape uh, New Brighton and, um, you know, Tanzania. Um, You've seen, I guess, a proliferation of shopping centers. um, And in the case of Tanzania, you know, a big shopping mall. I think the Robosis Group was involved in that in some shape or form. Um, In many of our communities, that's been seen as, you know, uh, a marker or a signal of progress. Um, Because if you think about it, in the early 90s, many of these places didn't have that type of massive retail presence where you can find almost any and everything. And so, in a sense, when these come in, they seen at face value as an advance, and uh, I guess in many ways a signal of some form of freedom in some shape or form.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's quite a sad day. These shopping malls, you see, uh, uh, one of the shops starts selling, you know, very high end sneakers, or you go into uh, maybe another shop, which which sells um, uh, a TV, for for example, mm. a, a very huge uh, now. You live in a in a in a house where you don't have access to these things, and when you see them on a daily basis being displayed, and yet you don't have income to afford these things, mm. when this like this happens, the first thing that you think of is, I saw that sneaker, I saw that TV, I would like to go and have access to it. But at the same time, I suppose as I say, these are the they symbol of exclusion. So many of the people who actually who they, they, we've lost, I mean, they, they there's a disconnection between the local owners of the businesses and actually the people who inhabit, this, 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 the, uh, the, who inhabit, inhabit these townships. Mm. So in a way, you don't find that connection that you normally would find in a white community where the local businesses would still be, would, would be owned by the very people who stay in that community. Sure, sure. And as a result, that's why you, you see this disconnection and there will be the first target when this kind of, 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 of
0: unrest mm. happens. And in a way, I mean, Eddie, I might maybe be overcooking it here. But it does signal a pa- very particular type of colonial relation, uh, because if I, if you think about it, I mean, uh, you know, you would remember a few years ago in the case of you know M- Mount Elif, uh, yeah. where you've got these massive you know re- real estate investment trusts who go into communities, set up uh, you know these malls, have an anchor tenant. It might be Shoprite, it might be somebody from the Pick and Pay group, or any of the other big retailers in South Africa. But in a mm-hmm. sense, the entire distribution procurement. Uh, and even the merchandising and sourcing of some of what is on those shelves is mm-hmm. totally unrelated to the production profile uh, of some of those secondary towns, not just in the Eastern Cape, but in other parts. And so, in a sense, the money makes a one-way trip out of that community. Even if if we care as a social grant, it's dr- withdrawn there, spent there uh, with very little relational link. Uh, to the economic aspirations of many of those areas, it's it's quite similar, I guess, to what happens uh, in a colonial situation with your minerals and uh, even some of your primary production and agriculture.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, funny enough. I, mean, I, I I was reading one of the World Bank uh, a report on inequality in relation to South Africa, and one mm-hmm. of the things they mentioned there is that the, the South African economy is actually organised to support, you know, the colonial type economy. So the the, the entire society we've been organized in such a way that you necessarily support this colonial uh, uh, economic system that you're talking about and and there's no relationship between actually what is consumed uh, in the local economy and what is being sold uh, in in some of these shopping malls and that's why we see this disconnection that's exactly the disconnection i'm speaking about mm. and what essentially happens is that these shopping malls become some kind of an extractive economic activities out of the out of the local economies, much as there's some income that comes through the, the income that is paid to the employees who work in in some of those shops. And and we know very well that many of these uh, retail uh, jobs actually are actually low-paying jobs, so many of them are just paid below 3000 or $4,000 a month. So essentially what happens is that the malls become this huge extraction where the money comes in through the small wages and the social grants people spend in this mall but the quickly money goes out because there's no production linkages between the local economy and that's why you see this um, (coughs) you tend to see the devastation that the shopping mall caused in as much as you may find that in some certain areas there might be opportunities created by the shopping malls maybe perhaps through the people who are informal traders who Necessarily congregate mm. around the shopping malls, but the amount of income that actually leaves the, the local economy as a result of these towering structures and and the proliferation of, of shopping malls is too huge, and that's why you necessarily see you would see uh, this tension you know always bubbling up between the shopping malls and the community every time the uh, community protests. That is exactly the reason why because there is no that connection that you would ordinarily find between the local businesses and, and the people who actually own these businesses. You would have seen some, I mean, in some reports today, there are some communities in, in, in the urban where the communities have actually organized themselves to make sure that they protect their property. But they're not necessarily pro- protect, it's, they're protecting the local economy. Basically, mm. that's what, essentially what it does. But if there was a, a relationship between the people who own the be malls and actually the, the local community, you are going to find that many of the people would be willing to defend these shopping malls and say, "No, you're actually destroying our livelihood, and we cannot allow it." To do, you cannot allow you to do that. But because of mm. this disconnection, that's why you, you don't find that they, there is no harmony between the local, the community, and the, and the shopping market.
0: Yeah, and I guess I mean the other thing, uh, Eddie, is probably just in that comment you're making that you know, if, if there was at least some um, familial link between. The owners, and when we say the owners, um, we might also want to unpack, and You must help us here, unpack what we mean by that, because yes. you might find a situation. And somebody was saying on social media that a lot of these malls in our townships are not black-owned. And I, you know, one of the comments I was trying to make was that it's not that simple, because you might find a situation, as is the case, where the public investment corporation, on behalf of the GEPF, uh, invests in particular, you know, entities or properties. Um, and then, of course, that might be managed and operated um, you know, by a white-owned facilities manager, and the tenants might be largely white-owned businesses. Yeah. So, so there's an issue of who owns the land and the property, who administers and facilitates it, and who are the tenants. And I think yeah. in most cases, all of those uh, reside from outside of you know, the uh, communities in a direct sense, even though the money that might have seeded the whole thing might be the money of black workers, you know, nurses, mm. teachers and police people. So, so in a way, there's also a need to maybe unpack that as part of this dialogue, Eddie, and say, you know, uh, um, these issues don't only relate to sort of going in and burning, but there's an entire political economy and a configuration of power relations um, yeah. that, that give effect to that.
1: I, I, yeah, you're definitely right, and I, I don't should be sitting here and say because the the malls are being are owned by that particular race, therefore they should be they should be vandalized or they should be attacked. I I, I don't think that's what we should be saying. Mm. Essentially, what we say we should be saying, what are the models of local economic development? Do are these models of local economic development inclusive enough? So in other words. When a shopping mall, when a developer comes and apply for to build a shopping mall in a particular community, what is the role of the municipality to ensure that there is at least some inclusion of some of the small businesses which are maybe operating within the local economy, so that you you make sure that your anchor tenants is not just only your pick and pay, your, your big shops, your shop right and 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 big big retailers, but you also make sure that you incorporate. And there is some some reprieve because recently we've had the Competition Commission. I, I think. Coming into an agreement with Shoprite and uh, and uh, pick and pay about the, the, the about them having to allow some of the smaller bakeries to can operate in some of the shopping malls. So I suppose going forward, it's just a matter of the licensing regime of this some of these municipalities because that is their role to de- to develop the local economies. I don't think. That uh, uh, developers care much about what happens in the lo- in the in the local economy or I in mean, township as much as obviously they generate income they can secure the tenant's rental incomes that's what they care about. But for the municipalities because they they need to care about the greater good of the local community. So it's up to them to ensure that when there's people come and invest in the local economy at least you include some of the local businesses that has already been existing. Mm-hmm. And that in that way you may. Building the you know, you may start seeing the transformation that we really want to yeah. see going forward rather than just saying no, it's not community owned, it's community. But on the other hand, I think even as a black community, which stays in the very same community, mm. there are certain ways through which I suppose we can, <clears throat> some for instance, you can have stock, stock fairs investing in some of the shopping malls, but I suppose it also depends on availability information mm. sometimes you only you only get to notice when the mall is already up it's not like they the share process. this
0: information in an idp meeting you know it's in not re- like they come and say yeah well a developer has approached us and we've now approved that um even the level of community participation in these things is, is sometimes just a tick box exercise uh for people to just pass on this thing to keep it moving you know
1: and that is the role that should be played by the ward councillors because they, they are the first to know what when there's going to be a development in the community. Mm-hmm. So it's their role to say, there's a community, there's a development that is coming in this particular area. Uh, these are the opportunities, and those who wants to invest in the, in, in, in the shopping malls, uh, this is the opportunity, and this is how you can invest in the community. Yeah, yeah. So that is what is, the role should be played by the by the so, local uh, ward councillors. And unfortunately. Yeah. They are not doing that to the best of their ability. And that's why we see interactions mm. that we see today in the communities.
0: You know, Eddie, there's something for me that's quite interesting. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's something we touched on with the SNESIPO earlier on. There, there might be a sense, if you just look at it at face value, that this is a novel, spontaneous, and very new and unique phenomenon. Yet, if, you, if you're able to stitch some of the dots together, you might find that uh, we've had instances of business fora at a local level agitating for certain types of change. We've <coughs> seen a similar attack and assault on immigrant-owned uh, uh, operations in many of our townships, um, and so in a sense, there's always been the simmering and bubbling economic tension in our in, in our communities, and how it manifests itself sometimes is very, you know, uh, certainly in my view, very, very, uh, you know, I, I sometimes think the guns are trained on the wrong people, but we can have that debate. Um, but one gets a sense that in this instance, there's been a tapping into that existing simmering sentiment. So nobody went to go and stoke up new fires here. Some of yeah. that sentiment was already there. Look at the first targets in KZ and the trucks, which yeah. were being burnt for employing ostensibly foreign drivers. Um, long before what we saw over the weekend. And similarly, I think in many of these communities, many of the migrant Uh, you know uh, uh, business people will tell you that before those malls were burnt it was our stores that were being burnt so I think how does that help us try and understand uh, how we resolve this issue because I don't think that just thinking about it as a spontaneous thing that is primarily linked just to Jacob Zuma uh, will take us any far
1: well, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a reflection of much deeper economic problem, economic crisis that we've we've been facing for quite a long time. Mm. And you would know. I mean, we've got about seventy five percent is unemployment. Seventy uh, percent of people who are working and below less than four thousand rand a month. So it's it's, it's really a no brainer that a no that you're going to have all these troubles. And I mean, people when the people are frustrated, they really don't don't really care who the victim who the victim are. They would go for anything that they would just to. You take out their frustration, and that is just one way. Perhaps we see it manifesting through the looting of the shopping malls. But as you say, we've seen before uh, shops which are owned by foreigners being looted again we've seen trucks being 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 burned and i suppose it's one of the people the way people are are really expressing their frustration with the current development and with the situation that they find themselves in because there are just simply no solutions coming coming forth from either government mm. but if, but even social, the social structures within some of these um some of our communities are failing you know we, mm. we we're facing Deep psychosocial problems, sure. and that is a result of the high unemployment levels that yeah, we the, the, yeah. that we're facing. So, so, as you know, unemployment causes depression, and people when they are mm-hmm. depressed, they can they do all manner of things. So, it's, it's a con- convolution of, of of many factors, which I think we can just be resolved mm-hmm. by just uh, uh, the, uh, declaring the military on the communities. It's much more a, a program sure. of transformation sure. that the country have neglected for quite a very long time and that we need really to start mm. taking serious from now on because tomorrow it might be something even much bigger exactly. where you, you find that people's houses are being burned yeah. and, uh, and the people's livelihoods are being uh, ac- actually under threat. Mm.
0: Actually, I'm seeing some very horrific visuals, live visuals out of Queen- Queen's Mead Mall out at Teguini. And uh, it seems, yeah, uh, the uh, uh, issues continue with 30 minutes uh, before the uh, uh, start of the curfew where uh, you can see Abandu uh, Batuelentroko Uh, anything Mm. from water, you know, Eddie to all manner of other things. And it makes me wonder, maybe just uh, as uh, we let this one go here, because the president might address us soon. Is this a moment, Eddie, because you mustn't waste any crisis, I would think. Is this a moment for us to unlock and return to the conversation about a basic income grant or a floor of support measures for work seekers in the South African economy and even measures that are able to take us in that direction?
1: Well, I mean, as, as I said, I mean, we 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 really need a combination of um, mm-hmm. of solutions to this problem. I don't sure. think a, a basic income grant alone is going to resolve this problem. Mm-hmm. In in actual fact, I think. What, what the basic income grant What is because the income levels are quite, are quite too low so even with your yeah. basic income grant you'll still not be able to, to really address this whole Eddie, problem of low income levels. I'm, level. I'm going
0: to have to pause you there my brother because uh, yeah Africa Chipembe is uh, addressing us now uh, but as always thank you very much for your time brother and uh, yeah may that uh, discussion long continue. Thank you. Cheers. That there was Eddie Rakabe. Uh, let's now take uh, that uh, direct feed from uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa.